0: as we sing he lives and then sing there shall be showers of blessing i serve a risen savior he's in the world today i know that he is living whatever men may say i see his hand of mercy i hear his voice of cheer and just the time i need him he's always near he lives he lives Christ Jesus lives today he walks with me and talks with me a long life's narrow way he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how rejoice O oh christian lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujah to jesus christ the king the hope of all who seek him the help of all who find none other is so loving so good and kind he lives he lives christ jesus lives today He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation too. Showers of blessing, this is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing, come and now honor your word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now it's on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead.
1: good to see each of you in the Lord's house this morning. And um, while we are praying for the showers of blessings, I'm not sure that we're praying for any more regular showers. We could use a little break from that, couldn't we? Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for the very great blessing it is to be able to gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that you would be with us as we lift up our voices in song and in prayer. I ask that you would help us to not only be a blessing to you, but help us to be humbled and yielded to you, that you may do a work in our hearts this morning. We thank you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. with us this morning brother rob north uh he has come to represent the gideons and maybe some of you have never heard of the gideons he's going to explain who and what the gideons are and what they do come on up
2: thank you pastor tim and good morning brothers and sisters in the lord jesus christ uh, My name is Rob North, as as Tim mentioned, and I bring you greetings from the congregation of the New New Haven United Reformed Church on Route 7, a little bit south from here, and I'm a member of the Champlain Valley Gideons, which is part of the overall Gideons International Ministries, and I'm here today to share with you about the great work that God is doing through the Gideons International. I'm going to read to you a story that was recently printed in a recent issue of the Gideons Magazine. It goes like this. Recently, a hotel manager in Abaja, Nigeria, shared this testimony of a beautiful young girl who checked into his hotel. On the first day, when housekeeping came to service her room, there was no response. On the second day, it was the same. Upon learning about this, the the manager said that if she did not answer on the next day, that he would need to unlock the door and find out if she was okay. Well, the next morning came around and the young woman came downstairs, sought out the manager, and she said to him, I wish to thank you. I am a Muslim, I am unmarried, and I am pregnant. In punishment, my family will stone me to death. I came these many miles from my home to your hotel to commit suicide. But in my room, I found a Bible placed by the Gideons, and for the past two days, I have been reading this book and found the true answer to eternal life through Jesus Christ, and I have accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. I am now ready to return to my family and accept my penalty because I have the assurance of a spending eternity with Jesus. That story <laughs> breaks me up every time I read it. Some of you, when you hear the name Gideon's, you you probably think about those Bibles that you find oftentimes in hotels. But the Gideon's International is so much more than that. In fact, the Gideon's International is an association of Christian business and professional men who are sharpening one another through intentional relationships, through prayer, and through boldly sharing the gospel wherever God has placed us. We're all members of Bible-believing churches, just like this one, or New Haven United Reformed Church down the street. And the and the Gideons thus serve as an extended mission arm of the Church of Jesus Christ, and we are therefore striving as Gideons side by side together for the faith of the gospel, as Paul says in Philippians. The Gideons was started in nineteen, uh, I'm sorry, in 1899, one, one year before 1900, in Janesville, Wisconsin, by two Christian businessmen who felt called by God to fellowship to strengthen their faith and to intentionally share the good news of the gospel uh, wherever they travel. Now we fast forward 124 years to today and there are more than 155,000 Gideon members of Gideon's International worldwide organized in 200 different countries, territories, and possessions around the world. We've published scriptures in over 102 languages and just this past year, we surpassed the 2.5 billion, that's a billion with a B, Bibles distributed since our inception. That's more than a quarter of the world's population. And as amazing as that is, please note that we still have 5 billion more people to go. <laughs> so, so we got plenty of work yet to do. Uh, here locally, in, uh, in Addison County, we place scriptures in places like hotels, in hospitals, in nursing homes schools and colleges where we're able to get in. And we always distribute them at two or three fairs every summer, and we have such a good time doing that. We have great conversations with the many people who stop at our booth. This year, we were at the Vermont State Fair down in Rutland and at the Champlain Valley Expo, uh, Champlain Valley Fair in Essex Junction this summer. And between those two fairs, we handed out over 1,600 scriptures to people who came by. God is working in Vermont, friends. So uh, I was so encouraged by the very high percentage of people this particular year who came by the booth and enthusiastically took scriptures, the fact that they were young people, teens and 20-somethings were enthusiastically coming to the booth and taking scriptures. Many of them were saying things like, I've never had a Bible before. Can I really have this for free? I've always wanted to read this book, but I never had one. I'm sick of being lied to. We need the truth. Those were so encouraging as they took the scriptures enthusiastically, and we pray, Lord, and play, pray with me that those people will come, those young people especially, will, will read those scriptures and find Jesus there and take him as savior. Um, we um, also, uh, at the Rutland Fair, uh, a young man uh, came by, a young, young guy, uh, early teens, uh, kept furtively looking over at his parents who he was there at the fair with, and he looking back at me, Um, As I was handing out Bibles, and and he shared with me, he said, my mom would kill me if she saw me take one of these. She's an atheist. (laughs) And I said, well, buddy, I don't want want to get you in trouble, uh, but this is God's word for you, and you can have it. It's free if you want it. So he's, he's glancing back and forth between me. I could, tell that, I could tell that he really wanted it. And he quickly took a small, one of these little small New Testaments and he stuck it in his jacket pocket and walked back over uh, to his family. And I have been praying for that young man. What a brave young man. That, that he would be reading that in the privacy of his own room and find Jesus as his Savior in the words of, uh, of the scriptures. Um, uh, also, a, t- a teen girl, Michelle, a teen girl took a scripture. She embraced it with excitement. And said, I love Jesus. I love him so much. Thank you. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but that, that really happened. <laughs> that really happened. She ran, she ran off. Um, in Essex Junction, a young black man came up. He had an accent that I couldn't quite distinguish. And um, in broken English, he, he held it up and he looked me in the eye and he said, thank you so much. This means a lot. And, and uh, took the Bible and, and walked away. And then shortly after that... Um, and there were uh, three, uh, tattooed, pierced, uh, purple-haired, black-lipsticked uh, group of three young people running at me from <laughs> at the booth, and I was I was actually a little a little taken back, like I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this, and um, and and they ran up to the booth and they were so excited about free scriptures, I couldn't believe it, and and. Um, and so they, fi- they were looking through everything we had, and they finally decided on taking one of the full-size scriptures because it had the whole Old Testament in it. And I had explained that the Old Testament is important because it explains why we need a savior. And the young man immediately piped up and said, yeah. And the New Testament describes said savior. It's like, All right, you know, who, who, who am I to judge the book by the cover? Do, do not do that. I was so humbled by that interaction. And I apologized to them. For so them greatly, and was encouraged uh, by what God is doing. So be encouraged, friends, that God is working here in Vermont. Uh, God tells us in Isaiah, He says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So whether we actually share the gospel message, which I did many times with many people, as we're handing them out, even if they just take this home and read it, his word will not return empty. So let me ask you, how many of you here have dreamed or thought about what it would be like to be a missionary? Maybe a missionary in a foreign land, working with the local people there, getting to know them, sharing the scriptures and good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that need to hear it in their native language. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, can identify with that strong desire to share Christ. I know I do. Well, it turns out that you can. You can do this right here as a Gideon in your own home community. You know the locals, you know the language. You have the scriptures, we got plenty of them. And there are certainly people who need to hear it. So being a Gideon isn't so much belonging to an organization, although of course it is, and it isn't so much having a title, which which of course it does, but it's about having the mindset of a missionary and having the tools and resources to do it, the printed word of God. Let me tell you another young story. A young man attending college in Massachusetts had one particular professor that was known for being a very tough and challenging teacher, but also very caring and helpful to those who put in the effort and yet were struggling in his course. Now, this particular student found himself in the lounge outside that professor's office during his office hours and studying with other students, vying for the professor's attention. In the middle of that popular lounge was a small table with a little rack of Gideon New Testaments on it that were free for the taking. He took one of those small books and was encouraged by the professor to read it well as he shared the story with me. And he did. He read God's word and God changed his heart. That student went on to change his major. He went to seminary. And he is now the pastor at Panton Community Baptist Church in Panton, Vermont. And if you ask Tom Lupian, he will humbly show you the small little green-covered New Testament that still has his signature in the back with the date on which he proclaimed Christ as Savior. And thanks to that Gideon professor and to the Gideons and to our faithful God who worked in his heart. You may be wondering how that you can get involved or how you can help. Well, as much as we need and appreciate your contributions, we need your prayers even more. I've already described some things you can be praying for. Please pray for us today and keep us in your prayers. Uh, in some of your bulletins, I didn't quite have enough to fill all the bulletins, but there are some inserts there which can describe which describe how you can be praying for us. Please also consider uh, giving to the Gideons. I've placed a basket in the foyer in the back marked for Gideon donations. Uh, every $1.35, that you uh, contribute will purchase uh, one of these small testaments and place it in the hands of someone somewhere in the world. Uh, roughly every $5 donation will purchase a, a full hard copy Bible and place that in the hands of someone who needs it. Uh, there is a special basket I mentioned in the back where you can donate. And note, note that to 100% of your contributions go toward actually purchasing scriptures. We're all volunteers, so there, there is, uh, there's essentially no overhead here locally. Um, you can also donate scripture anytime by sending Gideon cards. And I, um, I noticed that Pastor Tim pointed me to your rack, uh, and that also is in the table back, and I put some new cards in there as well. Um, and also, lastly, if, if you are a professional or a businessman, I hearty, wholeheartedly invite you to join me with the Gideons. We have a great local camp here. I mean, I've already mentioned some of the things we do, and it's extremely exciting, especially at this time, to be part of the work that God is doing right here in Vermont. <coughs> Uh, And I I encourage you to join with it. Let me share one more story, one last story before I I close. And uh, this one I think Pastor John will be especially interested in because uh, he invites me to be part of this every year. Um, Historically, the Virgin's Union High School baccalaureate services were mandatory for the graduating seniors in addition to the formal graduation service. And the Champlain Valley Gideons have traditionally been invited to these services uh, to offer a Bible as a graduation gift to each graduating senior. At one of those mandatory baccalaureate services about 13 years ago, a woman named Betty and her graduating daughter accepted one of these Gideon Bibles and they took it home. A couple years later, uh, Betty's husband got cancer and died before their next daughter's graduation. And by this time, the Virgin's baccalaureate services were optional. But Betty and her second daughter came to the baccalaureate service. Betty recognized the Gideon who was handing out Bibles from the years before. And she said to him, we came to the baccalaureate service four years ago with our oldest daughter because we had to. We're not religious family, uh, but we took that Bible that you gave us. Thank you so much for being there. A year ago, when my husband died, we found that Bible that you had given us back then, and we read it. And we got a lot of comfort from God's word in that very difficult time. Thank you for being faithful and for doing what you do. And my fellow Gideon, who had handed her the Bible, said, and that is what makes it all worthwhile. Uh, So won't you? Won't you join us? Won't you join me today um, in doing what we do? Pastor Tim, thank you for this opportunity to share about the, uh, the Gideon's ministry worldwide. And uh, thank you, congregation, for your attention. And uh, if you have any questions uh, for, about the Gideon's for me, I'll be around after the service. Uh, and I have applications if you are interested in joining. Take care. Thank you,
0: thank you very much, Brother Rob. Would you please stand And together? We're going to lift up our voices one more time as we sing, Oh, praise the name. See His wounds, His hands, His feet, My Savior on that cursed tree. His body. see yes. yes. i My hope is hidden in the Lord He flowers each promise of His word When winter fades, I know spring will come The Lord is my salvation Come to save. The Lord is my salvation
1: take your Bibles with me if you would and turn to the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to go to Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 through 8. Look at Nehemiah. Uh, We are in our Bible hour studying Jeremiah and Jeremiah is preparing the hearts and minds of the people of Judah and Israel for the coming invasion by the Babylonian army. As the Lord pours forth his judgment upon them for rejecting God. When we come to Nehemiah, we're at the end of that whole cycle. And now we're getting ready to see God bring his people back to Judah and Israel. And it ties into this morning having the Gideons here. Because when we come to Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 down through 8, what we find is are the people of Israel with a yearning in their heart for the word of God. Artaxerxes, the Persian king, his servant, his cupbearer Nehemiah, had come before him and he'd come with a downcast spirit, a downcast look, and Artaxerxes asks him, he says, I've not seen you sad before, what's going on? And Nehemiah says to him, well, you'd be sad too if your people were in exile, your city was torn down, your place of worship was destroyed, the gates were destroyed, and Artaxerxes looks at Nehemiah and simply says, what can I do for you? And Nehemiah says, well, I'd like to go back. I'd like to go back and rebuild the city. I'd like to go back and rebuild the wall. I'd like to see our people be able to go back and, and repopulate our place. And believe it or not, Artaxerxes says yes. I mean, it's incredible. I would challenge you uh, after church today, not right now, because I know you have the capacity to do what I'm getting ready to say. So don't do it right now but you take that smartphone or go home, do your laptop or whatever it is you use and you type in Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes and it will bring up for you the pictures, not photographs but stone chiseled images of Artaxerxes. And he was a warrior king and it's so amazing that he supports God's people. It's the moving of God upon Artaxerxes' heart to let Nehemiah go back and to rebuild the city there. But we're really not looking at that part of it. We're looking at the hearts of the people this morning. So listen to what transpires in Nehemiah chapter eight, verses one down through eight. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man, before the men and the women and those that could understand and the, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law and Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood Mattithiah and Shema and Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah and on his right hand and on his left hand Padiah, Mishael Malachiah, Hashem, Hash, Be- Bednadana, <laughs> Zechariah, Meshalun. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With the lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their hands, their heads, and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Achan and Shabbatai, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelite, Azariah, Josebad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So here we find the miracle of Nehemiah leading back the people into the promised land. In fact, the scriptures in the previous chapter, it tells us that 49,697 people came back to the land. That's in chapter 7, verse 66 and verse 67. They came out of the captivity, back to the city. And it tells us that here they gathered, not sporadically, here and there, now and then, But they gathered as one people, with one heart, with one mind. These were people who had a yearning. They had a yearning to have attentive ears, to hear God's word. Look at that last part of verse 3 in our text. It says, And all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. How we wish, how we desire, that when the Gideon Bibles are given out, add baccalaureate to all those graduates coming out the door. It's offered to them. Oh, wouldn't it be so wonderful if every one of them took it and went home and read it and had attentive ears, attentive hearts to the Word of God, even as these people have. And you and I in our homes, instead of having our Bibles gather dust on a shelf, God so desires... That we take those Bibles and have attentive hearts and attentive ears to the word of the law, the word of God. We see in this verse 1 of chapter 8, that yes, they came in unity, yearning, even as God calls you and I. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. God wants unity among his people as they come with one heart to gather around his word. He wants us to hear. He wants us to read. He wants us to take as his people God's word into our hearts. It's interesting that they gathered outside the street that was outside the water gate. So I want you to envision a city with walls and gates coming in. And they have all these different gates for different purposes. They have the dung gate where all the animal dung in the streets would be gathered up and carted out and dumped outside the city going out the dung gate. But here they chose. They didn't choose to gather at the dumb gate. Neither would you and I. They chose to go to the water gate. And water is such a symbolic, powerful thing in the Bible. Our Lord brings the water of life for you and I through himself. These people gathered at the place where people gather. Because people have to have water. So they would go to that water gate, and there, that was a natural place of gathering, and it was a place of life. Water represents life in the Middle East. If you have no water, you have no life. A city can't exist without water. They've gathered at this place of gathering, at this place of life, to hear the word of life. There, can you imagine thousands? It says tens of thousands from all over the land that have come out of captivity. They gather for the very purpose to hear the book of the law of Moses. They want to hear those first five books, the the Pentateuch of the Bible. They want to understand what it is that God requires of them. They have been out of place, out of pocket too long They've come now back to their place. Their place of worship. Their place of community. Their place of history. And they want to make sure that they don't make the same mistake that drove them out under Jeremiah. Now that they're coming back under Nehemiah. They had a purpose. 2 Timothy 3.16 teaches us All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. These people understood that when that book was opened at the gate, the water gate, and when the prophet and the priest began to bring forth this truth, this is the truth of God. You and I hold in our our hand the pages of God's word, God's truth for us, in our lifetime, just as it was for them in theirs. When we look in Nehemiah chapter 8, we not only find a people, but we find a prophet, a priest, a governor, leadership of the people, bringing the people together. And we, we as a congregation, we as a people, we need to pray for God to bring leadership to our people, just as they had brought leadership together for their people. Nehemiah was called the Tishatha. In fact, he references to himself as the Tishatha. Look at uh, chapter 7, verse 65. It says, And the Tishatha said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim. Down at verse. Seventy, it says, and some of the chief fathers gave unto the work. The Tishatha gave to the treasure a thousand drams of gold, 50 basins, and 530 priest garments. Wow, the Tshatha was wealthy, he was powerful. He had an opportunity to lead people and to invest in the people. Concerning their worship, he gives what? 530 priests garments? Gives to their temple. What does he give? He gives a treasure of a thousand drams of gold and 50 basins. The Teshasha is Nehemiah. Look with me, if you would, over to chapter 8 again. But I want you to look at verse 9 of chapter 8. It says, and Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people. When we understand that he is the Teshatha, what we understand is that this is a transliterated word from the Persians. This comes from Artaxerxes. So when Artaxerxes sent forth Nehemiah, He sent him as the governor of the land, the Tershatha. He sent him with wealth and influence letters so that he could pass from one region into the next, that he might come and reestablish his people. God had done a miracle. He had taken a cupbearer, a servant of Artaxerxes. And God had moved in Artaxerxes' heart to make Nehemiah the Tershatha, the governor of the land, bearing wealth and influence. Listen, God can do anything. Sometimes we, if we're not careful, we cut God short. God can do anything. He allowed the Babylonian Empire to sweep into Israel because they had rejected him so. But here, he is going to move in this Persian Babylonian king's heart, Artaxerxes, in incredible ways, miraculous ways. that Nehemiah might bring the people back and bring the word of God back to them. So we see the governor, the Tishatah. We see the priest, Ezra. We see the scribes and they come to share and to bring forth the word of God. Verse three and verse eight references how that that day they stand and they read the word for all to hear. Verse eight reminds us that they gave the sense of it. Look at verse eight of chapter eight. It says, so they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. Preachers still today do that. I'm doing that right now. I'm giving you the word of God and I'm saying, here it is as inspired by God. And look, we can learn that God can do anything. And we learn from this that his word is precious and important. And that we all need to hear, we all need to give attention. Even as those people at that time, they gave the sense, Verse 7 tells us that they made it so that the people could come to understanding. Look at the very last part of verse 7. It says they caused the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. That kind of reminds us what the whole purpose was. We see the people. We see the priest, the prophet. And as we read the text, we see the purpose. Why did these people come? Why did they gather outside the street, outside the gate of water? They came with a purpose, to hear the word of God. Now the interesting thing is, in verse one, when you look there in chapter eight, verse one, it tells us, and all the people gathered themselves together as one into the street that was before the water gate, And they spake unto Ezra the scribe, Bring the book of the law of Moses. And I want you to catch that. It wasn't that Ezra came and called the people. The people came and called Ezra. So it's not that the priest was saying, Hey, you need to hear the word of God. The people were coming and saying, We need to hear the word of God. You and I, you and I that have received Christ, you and I that are the children of God, you and I that have put our faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ for our eternal life, for our salvation. We need to have a yearning, a desire, a purpose that we might hear and know what God has for us, that we might hear and know the moving, the working of the Spirit of God in our lives that we might yield to Him. It's so interesting, the reverence that they show that day. When you come down to verse 5 in our text, it tells us that when He opened the book, all the people stood up. Can you imagine tens of thousands of people gathered out upon the land gathered outside the street, outside the water gate. And as soon as Ezra opens the book, oh, there's the motion of all these people standing. For they're in awe. They're ready. They want to hear. They've called for him to come. They've waited and here he is. And he takes the book and they and in anticipation. That's the reverence of their heart. It tells us in the very first part of verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Repeats it twice. Do you see that in there? Amen, Amen. The word Amen. And we as a church, we use the word Amen means, I agree. I agree. I agree. And so, as Ezra the priest opens the word of God, and he blesses the Lord, all the people say, I agree. I agree. And you and I, when the word of God comes to us, when we understand the purpose of, The purpose of God working in our hearts and lives. The purpose of God bringing a young person to salvation through a Gideon's Bible. When we understand the power of the word of God to change a family, an individual, a community through the powerful message of the word of God. We should be saying amen. 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 That's good. (laughs) We see the reverence of their heart, don't we? They all stand. Ezra blesses the Lord. And they say, Amen, Amen. We come down in verse 6. Look again with me. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. And they lifted up their hands. And this was not a... This was not for a show. This is not for them to do some kind of a thing to get attention. This is a natural outreaching. They lift up their hands. Amen, amen. These people are moved by the power of God. And then look at the very next thing it says they bowed their heads. They were moved with the reverence for the holiness of God's word. It says they lifted their hands and they bowed their heads. And humility. And around the world, still still today, that gesture of bowing, bowing the head, bowing the body, is a gesture of respect and humility. Here, these people are humbling themselves before God Almighty and His Holy Word. You and I, we should also be willing to do the same. It should be that we humble ourselves before God's word. It should be that we humble ourselves in reverence before him. But look with me at the last part of verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads. And what's it saying? And worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. These people worship God. When we talk about things like the Gideon's Bibles given out around the world, or missionaries like we support 40 different missionaries around the world, our heart, our desire is to see the word of God go forth, whether through a group of businessmen who organize and coordinate the distribution of the Bible, or whether it be through missionaries who are going into communities here and there and there and there all around the world, our, our hope, our prayer is that they will bring the word of God because it has the power of, Of the very voice of God, the very message of God, the very gift of salvation is here for people to know and to receive that they might have eternal life. That people might worship God. It drives me a little crazy as a pastor when I have people say to me, oh, I love God. I love Jesus, but I don't do corporate worship. Listen, if you pick up the Bible, what are these people doing outside the water gate? What are they doing outside that street when they're all lifting up their hearts before God? Over 40,000 of them, they are corporate worship. What does it mean when God says, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves? He says, come together for corporate worship. When we look in the Psalms, and the psalmist is praising about coming to the house of God together with other believers. Corporate worship. So as a pastor, it drives me crazy when people tell me, oh, I love God, I love the Bible. Oh, but I don't do that corporate worship. The other day, I had... One of the the ladies in our church who moved far away, she came back to visit the other day, Kathy King. And Kathy, the first Sunday she visited church that I was a pastor here, when she was a little girl, she came. But then years, decades had gone by, and she came and visited when she moved back into our community. And that Sunday she came out, she shook my hand, she said, Thank you, Pastor, enjoyed the service, don't really believe in, in corporate worship. I shook her hand, I said, that's okay, Kathy, you're always welcome to come back. And so I prayed for her, and Sandy prayed for her. And she came back, and she came back, she came back. And do you know, she became a a teacher. She was involved in our music. She moved to Tennessee, do you know what she does there? She teaches in a church. She helps with the music program. She helps do their vacation Bible school. Do you know what she believes in today? Corporate worship. worship. I mean in a big way. (laughs) These people gathered. Man, they gathered to worship the Lord. They were moved by the power of the word of God. They called for the priest. The prophet. They weren't sitting at home waiting for him to call them. They were going banging on the gate. Ezra, it's time. It's time. We're here to worship. It's time. Bring out the word of God. And they were moved. John is going to lead you in a little verse as we get ready to be dismissed. I'm going to close us in prayer. Father, as we go forth, I pray that it would be you that goes with us. Lord, we praise you and thank you for you coming and moving within our hearts. And we praise you for your word that gives us instruction and hope, that gives us the, the way of life. I pray that you help us to love it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come,
0: people of the risen King, who delight to bring him praise. Come all into your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace. From the shifting shadows of the earth, we will lift our eyes to him. mercy reach together, children. Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice, one heart,
3: one voice, O Church of Christ, rejoice.